What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. First of all, thank you. Uh, the response to the mental health awareness episode was outstanding. Uh, I was a little late to the party, so I haven't commented yet, but I read through the the Reddit thread that uh, Chief Com posted, and there's a lot of really amazing conversation about it. A ton of people shared it. It got a really great response, a lot of engagement, and a ton of listens. So uh, it was successful in that uh, it brought some awareness. It continues to it continues to to be listened to. Obviously, it's it'll always be posted. Um, I encourage anybody if you. If, if you encounter someone that that needs some help, just send them the link. Uh, worst case scenario, they listen to it. Uh, they don't have to interact with anybody quite yet, but it gives them a little bit of, you know, uh, awareness on the resources that are available and how to get help and stuff. So thanks thanks for all the support with that. That was an, an amazing response. Uh, and thanks again to Chief Khan uh, for coming on. Um, and and in kind of in that vein, if anybody uh, wants to talk about anything, the platform is always available. I'm working with a lot of different people on a lot, a lot of different things as far as uh, people potentially taking ownership of a, of a podcast and making it their own and recording something and sending it to me or uh, coming on the, the an episode like Chief Khan did or just suggesting topics or whatever. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is a topic that where someone reached out to me and asked a question. But uh, the platform is open to you guys for whatever you want it for. Uh, this isn't something I'm trying to keep to myself. Uh, I, I love it when I get to either engage with somebody on something or work with somebody on something so that there are more ideas coming through this platform than just my own. Uh, this It was not designed at the beginning to be just me talking all the time. Uh, it's just because as I was getting it started, that's how it worked out. But again, if you want to be involved at all, if you want to talk about something, get something out there, you think you there's something important that you want to communicate to sailors, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Uh, I'm a little slow getting back to people sometimes because I am also still active duty, still working. Uh, just checking the shore duty, though, so I'll have a little more bandwidth, but I will still occasionally be at sea uh, for that job. So um, so with that, what I want to talk about today is uh, a listener reached out to me about um, some basically a rift between the chief's mess and the wardroom, uh, particularly junior officers. Uh, that's what we talked about. He is one of those, kind of. Uh, and what I mean by that is he's prior enlisted. Uh, he was enlisted for nine years and then crossed over uh, into the officer world. So he's, you know, a grown up amongst junior officers, right? He's been around a while. He's got that prior enlisted experience. So uh, he definitely not at the same maturity level as like a 21, 22, 23 year old officer. I guess most of them are probably 23 because they have to go to the college first. But uh, so reached out to me, uh, kind of explained context surrounding the situation. And it's not a huge problem in that they work well together professionally. The mission gets done to the point that the unit is being recognized for outstanding performance. But uh, it's frustrating. And it's it's one of those like it's like a a morale and quality of life thing at this point, uh, the types of things that are going on. Uh, And some of them sound kind of petty and kind of immature, but that's on the officer side, there's some young people, so there's maturing that's still happening, right? And that was something that he particularly point, pointed out. But at the same time, the stuff that they're having issues with or that their gripes are with the chiefs also sounds pretty petty, and, and, I'll, and I'll get into that. Um, but first of all, what I want to talk about is the, the broad general concept of khaki naval leadership, right? I, I just went to um, my boss's house. I'm going to keep it intentionally vague. Um just because I don't like to talk about people on here unless they give me permission to. Uh, but 
I went to my boss's house and uh, it was a khaki gathering. The whole staff went and uh, I, I was frustrated in that there was not a lot of chief representation. Uh, I'm pretty sure every single officer showed up and my boss is a senior officer. So that kind of makes a little more sense. But at the same time, like it, everybody has heard the term mandatory fun, right? If mandatory fun's happening in my brain, it's mandatory fun, right? So if we say we're going to have a khaki gathering, and oh, by the way, they gave us the next day off uh, because we had to, you know, it was the evening, so we were spending our liberty hours at this gathering. So they're like, oh, I'll give you the next day off because I don't want to, you know, steal your liberty and then make you work the next day. So uh, in my mind, it's, it's mandatory. And it's mandatory for a reason that is basically the solution I'm going to part of the solution that I'm going to talk about for, for this uh, officer's issue that he brought up with me. But there's there's a khaki naval leadership concept, right? Like leadership is leadership. We have officers. We have enlisted leadership, right? If you haven't read the article I just shared on Facebook from uh, CMC Houlihan, Bill Houlihan, I love you, man. The, keep writing those blog articles and keep putting amazing stuff out there. Uh, I, I love every inch of that blog post uh, that uh, US and I put out. But the, the what he talks about is kind of the chief's role in naval leadership and that you know chiefs shouldn't be focused on strategy. They should be focused on taking care of sailors, institutional technical expertise, kind of the, the classic hallmarks of what you hear chiefs described as or what's in the mission, vision and guiding principles. Right. So. Uh, the officers do their strategery side of it. I know I said that wrong on purpose. It's just a thing I say because I think it's funny. Uh, so they do their strategery part of it. And the like the larger level upper management style of leadership and management. Right. And then we do the like middle management deck plate leadership stuff. And that's what we should should be doing. We take care of the enlisted. The officers take care of the larger mission and the administration and the strategy. And we work with them to make sure that everything happens. Right. So. If we don't work well together with them, if we don't have a great working relationship with officers, then as naval leadership, as as a naval leadership khaki team, we are failing. I've had a lot of conversations with chiefs about how frustrated they are with their officers and how uh, officers drive them nuts and and you know why can't they just be better and blah 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 and it's and I, and I always come back to like with dripping with sarcasm, like whose job is it to train junior officers? Who builds future commanding officers? Because people are complaining about their COs and complaining about their department heads and complaining about the JOs that are the division officers. Whose job is it to teach them how to be naval officers? Like I, I will say senior officers have a responsibility there for sure. It's it's very difficult for me to teach the officer culture things and the strategy and stuff that is is built along a, a career of being an officer, but building a division officer, building leadership into that division officer and teaching them how to interact with and trust the chief's mess is my job. And if I fail to do that, you end up with a, like a, a toxic relationship between a war germ and a chief's mess. And so I've, I'm sure you've seen it at a command where you uh, for whatever reason, there's always a backstory where the chief's mess and the wardroom aren't getting along. It may be because the chief's mess got burned by a CO or burned by an XO or something to that effect and turn the relationship sour. If it happens that way, I it's almost inexcusable. 
Because Chiefs are grownups and they know better. Like, I, I don't... <laughs> if the Chiefs mess gets salty because some CO like burned them and they're like, now I'm not going to like, I'm going to take my ball and go home. Like suck it up buttercup. Like that's your job. Figure it out. Like you're the chief's mess is strong enough to pick that burden up and carry it. And if you're not doing that, you're doing it wrong. Right? Like the, if you end up in a situation where, and I'm not saying that you can just wave your hand and, and a miracle happens and the command culture fixes itself and all rifts are healed. Right? But what I am saying is that, you don't get to just shut it down because a, a senior officer is is raining on your parade, is not doing the things that they want you to do, doesn't trust the chief's mess, so they're not cutting them in, and you're having all these communications issues, or whatever happens to be the issue, chiefs don't get to quit. Like, you don't get to take your ball and go home. It's just not a thing. So if, if it happens that way, I'd be pretty disgusted. I, I can't point at an example. I've seen instances of it, but it's been course corrected by a senior chief within the chief's quarters or like a CMC or something has come in and just been like, what are you guys moping for? Like, shut up, <laughs> get up, get your ball, get back in the game and go fix what needs to be fixed chief. Cause it's your job. And, and then that's what happened. Like you, you know, you question someone like that. Uh, they're pretty quick to get up and, and get a second wind and go back at it. Right. But usually what happens is there's some kind of issue with a commanding officer that, as they came up through their career, maybe they had really bad experiences with like bad chiefs. Maybe the JOs uh, and the department heads got burned by some current chiefs or some chiefs that were at the command, but then they left. And now you're you're sitting there holding the bag like, why do we have this this poor relationship? Why don't the officers trust the chief's mess? Why do we have all these issues? Whatever the backstory is, it's not irrelevant. It's important to know what it is, but you're looking at like symptoms of a problem, right? So like the the stuff that was communicated to me by the officer that reached out to me was um, there was a lot of little petty things where um, as opportunities presented themselves, like uh, the chiefs were taking care of the chiefs first. That's problem number one, right? Like if that's the way that that's happening and it's coming from that type of a place, it's super wrong. And it's wrong because it, it's a chief's job to take care of sailors. And what's often lost on certain leadership is that junior officers are junior sailors and they're your sailors. I mean, regardless of the like, they're not enlisted. It doesn't matter. Like, they're still your sailors. Like I the last J.O. that I, I trained was a brand new baby ensign that showed up to my ship to not only be my division officer, but my department head, because that's how it works in the supply department on a submarine. And that's my junior sailor. Like also. Uh, I'm building her as a leader and teaching her how to be a division officer and a department head and to get her dolphins and to do a hundred other things. Right. So it's a super complicated situation for her to be in. But at the end of the day, she's one of my sailors. She always will be. That's just how that works. So if we find ourselves in a situation where we're like, nah, get it, give us all the good stuff first and then they can get the leftovers like that. You're doing it wrong. You're thinking about it wrong. And I, I, I feel like that's something that should be talked about more and that I'm happy to talk about more is that if officers grow up to not trust the chief's mess, it's because the chief's mess failed in the development of that officer. Because at some point that J.O. was paired up with a chief whose job it was to teach them how to interact with a chief and how to be a division officer. And it's our job to do that. And we clearly failed <laughs> at that at some point. Um 
And then along the way, obviously, some interaction with a chief's mess at some point in an officer's career could potentially uh, put a put a strain on their ability to trust us. But uh, so moving on with, from that, so we have that piece of it, and, and that's a piece that kind of ties into something else I'm going to put into an episode later. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna continue to go down that road, but it's incredibly important that that khaki naval leadership structure works well together all the time. And then that it's viewed that way, that we're one team and that we have different roles in the leadership structure, but we're all leadership and we're all khaki leadership. And that's a thing. (laughs) That's a team that exists that we need to work on being good teammates and working well together. So, uh, the stuff that came up, he he was basically like, look, there's all these things happening. They seem petty. They seem kind of not that significant, but it irritates people. And what I'm looking at is is they're complaining about that, but I'm looking at it like these are symptoms of a problem where we're not working well together as a naval leadership khaki team. And he's right that they are just silly symptoms of a bigger problem, a problem that if you fix they these problems, these things that they're focused on, the fires that they're looking at that aren't really they're just like. Uh, tertiary, right? They're not important. They're just little things that, you know, everybody's irritated by, but they're not the the actual problem. The problem is that we're not working well together as a team. So they're, they're not kind of, they're not going out of their way to take care of each other. So he was asking like, how do I fix this? How do I bring us together closer as a team? Like how do, what are some things I can do uh, to make the, the JOs and the chiefs like work together better and, and, trust each other better. Um, and so we talked about that. Uh, I, some of it's kind of corny, right? Like some of it is like, even if you do some random khaki outing, which get falls into the mandatory fun category, I know everybody's a big fan, right? Uh, a lot of times I, even I groan <laughs> when I, when somebody says, Hey, we're doing this khaki thing and they get whatever it is. Right. But then Usually by the time I like I get there and then it starts, I usually end up having fun, right? Even if it's something stupid like bowling or like going to like a park and playing cornhole, right? Like it's not what I would choose to do with my free time. But generally when I show up, I have some fun and we joke around and and we kind of get to know each other a little bit better. And if you go into it with an open mind and an understanding that the reason behind it is important it's it's to build some trust and to build some rapport so that when you're at work it's going to make your job easier um that i mean that's why that's why those things happen uh that's why they go out of their way to have those khaki outings and if, if you go into that if you go into it with that attitude uh it's going to be a lot more productive um other things is like i i'm a big big fan of during normal working hours, so it's not mandatory fun. <laughs> if you do leadership training of any kind, right? Everybody who's running those Sailor 360 programs out there doing any kind of leadership training, uh, if you bring the wardroom in on that, right? And even just do a topic. Uh, one of the most powerful, uh, it was still phase two at the time, but one of the most powerful like initiation season topics that I did is we had access to an admiral. Uh, she was on the reserve side, but uh, she was local when I was at my previous shore duty and we were, had a chief going through the season. She was a supply admiral and he was a logistics specialist. So it worked out perfectly. Uh, but we did a, a topic like a, a initiation training on the relationship between the wardroom and the chiefs and how the chief's role, like what the chief's role is and, and how it influences a junior officer, like what, how big of a deal that is. And so this this LSC select got to sit there two feet from an admiral 
she was there just for him because we invited a bunch of other people, but they couldn't make it. So it was literally just this one select and this supply admiral took time out of her day. She was so excited that we invited her. She was very, very enthusiastic about it. She sat there with him for over an hour and talked to him about the importance of the relationship between the wardroom and the chief's mess and how chiefs had so deeply influenced her as a J.O. And she told the story with names and experiences and everything about her first chief and how he influenced her and how he spent all his time uh, building her up and how she'll never forget it and how that's why she she trusts the chief's mess and understands how important it is to the mission and to the morale of her sailors and and the just the like everything it's just went on and on and on and it was the coolest thing man like all the chiefs were just gathered around this kid uh watching this happen watching her like enthusiastically talk to him and he was just like his jaw was on the floor because walking in he didn't know what the like what the training was about or the fact that an admiral was going to come in and sit down and talk to just him for over an hour um, and you'll find that when you invite them in, they're super enthusiastic about doing it. Uh, I'm not saying that a 21 year old J.O. is going to be enthusiastic about coming in and having a chief talk at them. Right. But I think they'll get a lot of value out of it about you, just the interaction of the two, just normalizing those interactions that you guys are going to be in the same room and we're going to have leadership training together that as you do those leadership trainings that when we get into the season, then it, the the roles reverse and the selectees go in there with like the commanding officer or whoever else you have access to or retired. Say you get like a retired admiral that's in the area or maybe you have access to an admiral um, that can sit down and just be like, man, like the, these are the stories of the chiefs that inf- influence me and why the relationship is so important. Um, but just making it a two way street and making it a normal thing where you guys get together in the wardroom or in the chief's mess. It's a big deal. If you invite all those officers into the chief's mess for a training, they're going to think that's the coolest thing ever. Cause it's like your, it's like your clubhouse and they never get to go in there. Or if they do, it's like them by themselves. And they're like, just sweating, like trying to get in there, ask you the three questions they have and then get out of there. Right. Um, but they think it's really cool. Like we've had meetings like that. We would occasionally do like an operations brief, uh, while we were deployed where we would bring the department heads and the XO into the chief's quarters and put the schedule up on the TV and do the brief. And they thought it was the coolest thing ever just to come in there and hang out with us. And, and it seems like nothing. It seems like, Oh, we're just having a meeting in the space. What's that going to do? It's going to normalize interactions and it's going to make them more comfortable with coming to you and talking to you about things. It's going to make them trust you more. It's going to create a rapport so that anytime they need anything, they can come to you and feel comfortable having a conversation with you, make them comfortable coming to the chief's quarters so that they're not avoiding you because they're intimidated by knocking three times entering and stating their business. Uh, it, it's a powerful thing to just interact with the uh, the other side of the khaki naval leadership structure. And it's not something that happens enough. And I know it's happening out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking shots at anybody. But if you're not doing it, seriously entertain that. If you don't want to go bowling with them, then just normalize the interactions at work. Just have like a meeting where or a training where you guys get together and just talk about stuff. And, and make the venue changes, right? Like one time you do it in in whatever space your officers gather in, and then the next time you do it in the chief's mess. And, it, and it's like inviting someone else into your home, man. They're going to appreciate it. They're going to feel more comfortable. They're going to trust you more. They're going to have a rapport with you that they didn't have before. They're going to learn things about you and about just chiefs that they didn't know before. And, and when you normalize that relationship, you're going to just inherently build a trust. It's just going to happen by being around each other. You're going to become more comfortable with each other. You're going to start to care about one another more, and you're going to start to build trust. Um, 
I talk about it all the time, but trust is like the foundation for every relationship ever. So it's like the reason why you're having trouble with working together or doing something as silly as like, you know, they get all the best barracks rooms when we go TDY and then the officers are just left with whatever or they're taking all the what the cool Uli's and we don't get any or, or we got to go beg for scraps. Right. Is I mean. If you're in that situation, I, every time I say it, every time it comes out of my mouth, I get a little frustrated because if chiefs are doing that, it would seriously piss me off. But I, I what the one thing I did bring up uh, when he communicated to me, because I was having a hard time believing that it was just happening that way. I understood that it was being perceived to be happening that way. And I asked, I was like, hey, man, it, do they know that you guys feel this way? Has there been a conversation uh, where you guys have said, look, like it's not fair that you know, you guys are getting all the good rooms or you guys are getting all the good whatever because that's kind of what's happening. Like it, again, little things that aren't that huge of a deal, um, but it's it's putting a strain on the relationship, so it's important enough to address. And uh, he basically said it's understood within the two groups that those issues are there, but uh, to me it sounded like the, the conversation hadn't actually happened. And so to me, I was thinking to myself like, whoever is doing these things may just be doing what they've always done. May they got a collateral duty of being the barracks PO and they are responsible for assigning rooms because it's a chief's job and he's just assigning rooms and it's, it's human nature to take care of your own first. The perception we need to change is that our own doesn't include officers and all the other sailors, right? It's not like a, there's a, a and the reason I brought up uh, Master Chief Houlihan's blog article that I just shared is because there was something in there about how he felt that chiefs had become a little too attached to certain privileges. Um, it, something that I'm not going to lie to you, it's kind of alien to me. Uh, not that not that I haven't ever experienced them, um, but in the submarine community, we're so small. Uh, it's just a it's just a different environment where I understand that they exist. I've been on some, a lot of surface ships. I've interacted with a lot of different messes all over the place. I understand what he means, and I've, I've talked to a lot of surface sailors, and I've been in the uh, in an aircraft carrier's chief's mess. I, I understand what those privileges are that he's talking about. Um, and I think that that might have a little bit something to, something to do with it, right, where they just got a little used to certain privileges as chiefs so that when they enter, in, enter into the mess in those communities, that part of it, and again, not taking shots, part of it is just that's how it's done. And so... I'm, a, I'm always a big proponent of questioning everything, right? Like if you walk into a situation, like don't just accept that that's how it's done. Is this the best way of doing it? Is what I'm doing positively impacting the command, the mission and my sailors? Like you should always be analyzing and asking those questions so that we can make the process better and, and do a better job of, of leading our sailors and taking care of them, right? But but I guess to come back around, it, where, I'm, where I'm going with this in my thought process is I keep thinking about this this thread uh, where I had a conversation with a, a young man that I've mentioned before, went from the Navy to the Army. Now he's an Army officer, and he was talking to me about Army NCOs, kind of how that works. And I related more to the, to his interpretation of what an NCO should be doing with their time than to what uh, he described to me was his experience with chiefs. Um, because in the submarine community, we're more closely related to that just because we're smaller. There's not enough room for us to have our own like chiefs messing area like we have a little air like a lounge area and then our birthing is attached to it but um we eat with the crew we have our own table but like i'm like 
two feet away from junior enlisted guys in every direction. Uh, like we talk to them while we eat half the time, but, um, and you don't like but there are things like front of the line privilege, right? Like the chiefs get invited slightly before the meal and they like walk in and eat. And, um, as a, as a CS chief, I kind of always scratch my head. I'm like, why do we do that? Like, especially if they're not oncoming watch theaters, like why, why do we do that? I, for me, it'd be like, I eat, eat last, like, uh, because why? Like it just the, like you give up leadership capital by doing that. Uh, and it's for what? It's just some stupid privilege that somebody came up with. And why did we come up with it? What? Why do they get to eat first? That doesn't make any sense. Uh, to me, that from a leadership perspective, it would make more sense for us to eat last, um, based on the impression it would get, or impression it would give. Uh, but I guess to, to kind of bring it all back together, it's it's making sure that our our mind is in a place when when making any decisions that affect our sailors, that our mind is thinking about like the correct interpretation of what our sailors means, right? Our sailors is, is all of them. All right. Our sailors is my CO down to the, the most junior ensign. My sailors are all of the chiefs. My sailors are every single E6 to E1 say like all of them are my sailors all the time. So if I'm making a decision that only takes care of the chiefs and could potentially adversely affect anyone else, I should be evaluating that and seeing if that I can do a better job of allocating those resources or making a decision to do a thing that affects all these people in a way that mitigates the negative impact, right? And hopefully maximizes the positive impact so that everybody's getting taken care of uh, to the maximum extent possible all the time, right? It shouldn't be like, I'm going to take care of all the chiefs first and everybody else just gets what's left over, you know? And if that's, if you don't like it, get promoted, right? Like there, that mindset set should not exist. And it's very important that not only do we think about it that way so that everybody's being taken care of, but we need to think about it that way so that we don't continue to widen the gulf between chiefs and junior enlisted and chiefs and officers, right? You can't continue to just spend that leadership capital and, and erode the trust because every single relationship a leader has is built on trust. If they don't trust you, they won't follow you. It's super simple. And, and if you're doing something small that you think is insignificant and not a big deal, but it erodes just a little bit of trust, you're probably doing a bunch of other stuff that's going to be a death of a thousand cuts. And before you know it, they don't trust you. You have a toxic environment, your leadership culture is garbage. Sailors don't trust the mess. Wardroom doesn't trust the mess. The mess doesn't trust the wardroom and, and you can't get anything done. And it all happened with something that didn't matter. and was this little insignificant thing. It builds, it builds and builds and builds. And it goes from something tiny and, and petty and insignificant to, I don't trust you when you tell me that I need to go get these pre underways done. And I go and do my own thing and then something doesn't get done the way it's supposed to. Or I tell you it did and it didn't. Or I gun deck some some PMS or logs or whatever. It's a slippery slope is what I'm saying. So I, I wish more people thought of it as one naval leadership construct. I wish Big Navy thought of it that way too. I mean, I think they do. I just don't think that we talk about it enough. I don't think that we put ourselves in situations where we're interacting enough. I don't think that officers are invo as involved in the season as they need to be. I don't think we draw enough on the resource that we have of 
limited duty officers and chief warrant officers especially because a lot of people get salty and say warrants are quitters or whatever. Like we'll say once a chief, always a chief. Unless you get commissioned through that LDO, CWO program, then not anymore, right? I know it's not an everybody thing, but most of the messes I've been in uh, were not having it. And I was always trying to invite warrants to come hang out because they're, they're chiefs. They're accepted chiefs. They have every right to be there. Uh, and even LDOs that used to be chiefs, every right to be there. I don't care if they're officers now. They have every right to be there. And I'm open to debate that with anyone because if you don't think that's true, you're wrong. Or you're a hypocrite. I mean, I, you know, and we can talk about it, but I, I will give zero inches on this topic. Um, and so I, but think about it. So we have this resource. We have limited duty officers and chief warrant officers that have at least enlisted experience, if not experience as chiefs and are now in the wardroom and we're not drawing on that resource to bridge this gap. That is really dumb. We're, we have like a built-in solution for this where we have a whole bunch of naval leaders in khakis that have both perspectives. And we could draw on that experience to help help the chiefs understand the wardroom and help the wardroom understand the chiefs and help the junior enlisted understand the wardroom. And we're just not doing it. Why? Why is that? I, I'm interested to hear from you guys on this one. And this is going to bridge really well into the next episode I'm doing. I'm writing the outline for uh, the the topic on the erosion of trust between the chief's mess and freaking everyone. But uh, yeah, I like give me some feedback on this one. This one, especially like if you if you wait in the wings and just listen and don't ever provide feedback just because you're a passive listener and that's totally fine. I would really, really be interested to hear from you guys. I'm going to go back through the uh, Reddit thread where I asked the question and I saved all that stuff on my on my laptop so that I could go back and draw on that as a resource. But I'm going to go back through that. Uh, hit me up. Let me know your feelings on all of it, really. Like why junior enlisted are having issues with trusting the chief's mess, especially officers. I, I would love to get more officer feedback on why uh, you think both junior enlisted and officers have issues trusting the chief's mess. And then chiefs, obviously, uh, if you see the problems, which I know a lot of you do, because I've had a lot of conversations with chiefs, provide that feedback if you haven't already. Uh, I want to get as much of it as I can so that I can I can clarify my ideas and make sure that I'm looking at it the way that I guess I think I should so that I can have this conversation uh, the way that I'd like to. And then if anybody wants to have a conversation with me, hit me up. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'd love to have somebody on uh, as well if anybody's interested in doing that for that topic. But uh, yeah, hit me up as always. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message me. Don't give up the ship podcast. Or you can DM me on Instagram at DGUS podcast. Hit me up. Let me know what you guys think. Feedback is always welcomed. Questions like the one that spawned the spin the yarn and, and anything else that you could possibly need. Always, always reach out. Don't be afraid. Uh, again, I have a lot more bandwidth now uh, that I'm on shore duty. So I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can. Um, also, if you feel like supporting us, uh, not a for-profit enterprise at all, but it helps pay the rent and keep the lights on, <laughs> as it were. Um, we got a lot of subscription fees we have to pay for. Uh, the equipment and everything isn't free to, to put this podcast on. So uh, if you want to support us, we got a whole bunch of cool stuff. Uh, you get something out of it, obviously. So you can go to dgutspodcast.com 
slash shop. Uh, I got a whole bunch of stickers. I'm, as soon as I'm done recording this, I'm going to post the new bumper sticker. Uh, it's got the logo on it. It's the blue background with the white logo, and that says Fight Her Till She Sinks. It's the same font that's on the back of the t-shirt, but check that out. That'll be on the store today. Uh, I got a bunch of other stickers and pins and magnets and stuff and then some t-shirts. So uh, if you want to support us, please feel free. Come buy something. I'll ship it to you immediately uh, so you get some uh, some stuff to show your support for the podcast, and then it helps us. Uh, use that money to keep the lights on instead of my money to keep the lights on. So, uh, so yeah, that's what I got for you today. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. <laughs>